Welcome to Short Stories from a Whitewater Guide. I'm your host, Max, and today's episode is part six of my Grand Canyon adventure. I put my union suit on backwards in the bathroom of the Lee's Ferry put-in on that first morning. I did not discover this until we had stopped at lunch that first day. I had to go really bad and was anxious to release the bounty of my bladder. We got onto shore, which was not a shore at all. It was a rocky outcrop of jagged, misshapen debris at the base of the river. I opened the front zipper of my dry suit and began the search for my flap of the union suit. Now, I cannot see the flap or what I'm looking at due to the large belly of the life vest I am wearing. And after a few minutes of dancing around like a monkey, I came to think that maybe it was on backwards. Maybe, in my hurry and nervousness of the morning, I put the damn thing on backwards. It was not until much later that I was able to find my penis and allow the abundance of fluid that had built up to be released, some down my leg as I did the pee dance of freedom from my gear. Oh God, I have to pee! We also got a fine that first morning. It's not exciting, and purist will be up in arms that we took advantage of the system. No one was there. It was late, and it was raining. The ranger was very political about the whole thing, and in the end, we paid a fine. It was a small price to pay for a warm, dry night in the middle of the cold, wet off-season. The first night's campsite was a sandy mess. I was prepared for the sand, thanks to my buddy Chris's insights. He told me to, quote, embrace the sand. And so I did. It is a fine sand, ground to a clay-like consistency. And when it is wet, it is super clingy. And when it is dry, it settles in all things. Food, beer, clothing, sleeping bags, gear, and of course, all parts of the body. Granted that I only took my union suit off once for the whole trip. I felt that I had a good experience with the Grand Canyon sand overall, and I continue to this day to shake out sand here and there from my gear. Along the Grand, campsites can be large or small. Being that it was in the dead of winter, we had our pick of sites. However, due to the constraints of time, We camped at the spots closest to sunset, and mostly at our minimal daily mileage since they came together. That first night, as we arrived at the site, I noticed that the others did not hesitate to help each other scramble up the bank and then help to pull each person's boat up the steep, sandy embankment that gave way with each step up. I isolated myself because I have formed this habit out of fear. Fear of failure, disappointment, not being liked, laughed at. All silly things to have come up in this kind of setting. Nonetheless, I placed myself and gear away from the others. I pulled my enormous boat up after unloading it and watched as it began to slightly rain. I found myself slowly starting to circle the mental breakdown drain. I was unprepared, mentally. In looking back, I understand what happened. I am able to connect the dots 
to recollect how I created my breakdown. It is a good feeling to be able to take responsibility for my decisions, and feels even better to know that they can be altered in future experiences. As the rain fell in the desert climate of Arizona, I got frustrated and aggravated at each little thing that went wrong or did not go the way I wanted. I became a victim. I had to pee for one thing when we arrived at camp, and I chose to wait until after getting unloaded and my tent was set up. It took me closer to an hour that first night to get into dry clothes and just sit. In contrast, the fourth night took me less than 15 minutes. The lesson of give yourself a break, you are still learning, was a constant on this trip. Learning the handling of the boat, learning our camp routine, learning to eat, drink, and stop to look at the wonder that was all around. All I wanted was to sit down and be still. I wanted to eat, drink, and then sleep. I wanted to put the day behind me. I was dehydrated, and I had eaten mostly junk leading into the first 30-odd miles of the trip, and I was seeing the effects of poor diet in a mentally and physically demanding setting. I kept having to get up for one thing or another, and it seemed like an eternity before I was able to just sit and be. I had always been able to compensate and to push my body to the edge. Age has a way of changing the body, though it does not change the mind. I can still do this. I got this, I kept telling myself. The truth was, I was slower in both speed and action. And in a class 5 rapid, that difference can kill you. That evening of the first river camp, I was physically fading fast, and so was my mind. All of the meals that we ate were loaded with carbs and protein. It was not about taste so much as quantity. I learned that when my arms started to get chilly and cold, it was time to eat. By the final days of the trip, I had dialed my food and water intake down, and I did a 180 in my attitude from that first night. I drank a large cup of green tea and enjoyed a chocolate bar. After a glorious meal of the doctor's mac and summer sausage cheese, I had a full belly, and I went to lay down for the night. I was calm. It was a few hours later that I awoke. I was wide awake. I was as wake as a person can be in that moment, and panic washed over me and pulled me down. I have had moments where the anxiety of life and the current situations take over and life becomes difficult, to say the least. That night, in my tent, was one of the lowest points I have sunk to. It is difficult to step back into the moment. My mind raced around everything. My recent divorce, my trip to Miami, my future, even the welfare of my dog soared past. I thrashed and tossed about in my sleeping bag. I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to scream with rage and disappointment at what my life had become. I was scared. I thought that I was going to crash and burn hard in the canyon. I was upset about my boat choice. 
I kept saying that I couldn't handle the boat. Everything felt wrong in that moment, early in the morning, with the river flowing beside me and the knowledge that ahead lie an unknowable journey. I thought of the passing of my friend Mark, a sailor, a man of the sea, and all that is tied to the sea. He was a boatman in the finest sense. He had lived and breathed the ocean and the land that welcomed the tides. I thought of him out in the waters of the blue off the coast of Florida. I thought of him wrestling alligators. I thought of how he had handled the final days of his life. I did my best to reach out and draw strength from my days with him and to let go of my pettiness, my fear, and my mistrust. I was in the Grand Canyon, a once-in-a-lifetime trip. I kept telling myself to embrace the moment and let go of the fear. Mostly, I thought about getting off the river. It's all I wanted to do. All I wanted was to get out of the canyon. Somewhere, in all the chaos of my mind, I knew morning had arrived and that I had to do something. I had just driven for two days, opened myself up to a group of strangers, launched my kayak into one of the most famous rivers in the world, paddled some 40 miles, and had had a nervous breakdown in a tent down by the river. And yet, here I was, the morning of day two, after no sleep, wide awake, and ready to face my demon. I was in the Grand Canyon, and you don't just get out. There are only a few access points, and they are very long trails. I mean, that's part of what makes the grand grand. It's part of the experience that people crave. Being able to exist for weeks in such a pristine and isolated space is, well, magical. The only realistic spot in my mind to exit was Phantom Ranch the place that the Brady Bunch rode mules to in the famous television episodes from back in the day. I had no idea how far it was to get there. I had made sure to get as little info on the trip as possible. Being a trip leader, it was nice to uncheck from that role and let someone else handle it, and I took full advantage. I refused to look at the guidebooks because I wanted as virgin an experience as I could possibly create. I wanted to be in the moment. I found myself in the moment of calm panic that second morning. I ate my breakfast and then firmly stated that I had made a terrible mistake. The boat was a poor choice and I am taking out at Phantom. I do not want to detract from your experience and I feel it is best. I said it as fact. There was no discussing it. I was not looking for approval. I was telling them, I'm out. The doctor said nothing. Titanium was sensitive, though in her mind she was telling me to man up. Dirty was still asleep. It was our leader that spoke. He told me that I could take out at Phantom. He spoke in a calm, straightforward way. It was not filled with emotion, only fact. He plainly pointed out that it would not be until the following day that we would reach Phantom. 
He said that our day-to-day was mostly flat moving water, and we needed to make miles. I accepted his words. I accepted that I had to make adjustments and remember to just breathe. What he did not tell me was that to get to Phantom, I was going to have to paddle some of the major rapids first. A notable number of rapids are after Phantom, however, the meat of the rapids lie between Camp 2 for our trip and Camp 3. I learned later from our fearless leader that I was not alone in my meltdown. He said that a number of folks go through emotional growth experiences during their first grand trip. Our leader had paddled the Grand a number of times and said that each trip was a unique experience. The others left it at that. They gave me my space and allowed me to move through my process. Each of my fellow paddlers became a guide of sorts as the trip progressed. It truly was a once in a lifetime trip. The second morning on the river, I did my best to put all the mental baggage I brought with me on that first camp beach and leave it behind. I rearranged my gear and the placement of my poop tube within Big Yellow. Day one, the tube was between my legs in the cockpit and it was a huge mental block for me. I knew if I had to swim that the process of getting out of the boat was dangerously complicated and this contributed to my meltdown. With the cockpit cleaned up and the gear stowed, I launched that second morning with anxiety and doubt, but also with hope. I knew a lot of water laid between me and Phantom, though I had no idea that the inner gorge lay ahead, and inside were some of the toughest rapids on the Colorado River. The morning of the second day, I had eaten as much of Titanium's breakfast meal as I could before we cleaned up, suited up, and cast off. I had poorly planned my meals, or so I had initially thought. In retrospect, the food I brought was spot on. I just had to learn how to use it properly. I had convinced myself long ago that food was optional and I have spent most of my life operating on little to no substance during the day with a hearty meal in the evening. All that changed on this trip. I had planned my meals with the others in the weeks prior to the launch. I opted to be part of the group breakfast and the group dinners, and to do my lunch separate. Each night, after the first night's mac and cheese, we had cheesy rice and lentils, and for breakfast, titanium's oat mix. For my lunch, I had pre-made peanut butter and string cheese tortilla wraps. They were super dry, which was a good thing because it caused me to drink lots of water, and I needed that hydration badly. I also had extra string cheese, cliff bars, and granola bars. However, my most prized food items were my summer sausages. As I mentioned before, I carried my friend Mark's pocket knife down the river with me, and each day at lunch, as I sliced off chunks of my summer sausage, I thought of how much I enjoyed the feel of the knife. I feel like a man when I hold it. The weight provides comfort and a sense of power. 
I have always carried a river knife, and oh, how many are at the bottom of the river? Too many. Along with my sunglasses and a stolen booty, for those of you who have listened to a previous podcast, a river knife and whistle are two mandatory pieces of equipment all paddlers and travelers of the wilderness must bring along. Mark's knife is rusty and used. It, is, has, it has lived a life. The knife itself is just a knife. For me, it's the man that carried it before that matters. It is that when I handle the knife, I see and hear him. It is a comfort, and in the early moments of the trip, I needed that strength. That first morning that marked the second day of being on the river is hazy at best. I ate my breakfast, spoke my piece, listened, and then broke down camp. The process of breaking the camp that morning was excellent for allowing me to let go of the previous night's meltdown and focus on the task at hand. I wore polyester khaki pants under my dry suit and over my union suit, and in the front left pocket I carried Mark's knife. It gave me strength that morning, and I again thought of all that he endured and how blessed I was to be here now. I took a moment to appreciate my surroundings. It was a beautiful morning. One of the highlights of the trip was paddling from sunup till sundown. I awoke each morning before the sun rose. I sat with my cup of warm liquid and watched the drama of the gods throwing their light and shadows across the sky. Most of the time, the actual sun only appeared for a few hours overhead as we made our way down the canyon before passing behind the steep, rocky walls. The rest of the time, the landscape obscured the sun and created art. Each day, all day, was the presence of natural art. It was awe-inspiring landscape to move through. The river and the canyon features are like unlike any other river that I have run. The sheer volume of water and massive rock walls are humbling. They shout of how insignificant we truly are in this world, and yet man tamed this river, this canyon. He blocked the flow of this mighty beast and locked her down. Now, as the drought continues, Americans in the West and across the country face difficult Hydration challenges ahead. Our water is precious, and we currently treat her like crap. And so it was on the morning of the second day, with a full belly and a stiff back, that I launched Big Yellow back into the brownish gray waters of the Colorado River. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and if you haven't already please check out past episodes and if you did enjoy it please take a moment to share it with a friend or a family member or anybody that you think might enjoy this type of content I hope that you are staying safe and healthy in these strange times and I hope to be releasing new episodes here in the near future So please like and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks again for listening to short stories from a whitewater guide.